Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 84. You've got Chris and Brian. And this time around, we're going to talk about the, let's call it the soft skills of shooting and training and kind of, you know, how to manage um, mental tasks and emotional tasks and things um, when we're on the line doing drills or in a training class. Guys, I'm going to I'm gonna nerd out on you here for a second. This is something I talk about in the shop to people on a regular basis. And, and, and usually the conversation stems from how a weapon is handled, um, but it has to do with the mentality of treating training for firearms use as a martial art rather than a hobby. Um, the, Musashi, back at some point in the 15 or 1600s when he was alive, uh, basically made a comment, something to the effect of, every time you grab your sword, you should grab it as if you were going to cleave a man in half. Um, and, and, and it, it was, uh, not an emotional thing, not a violence thing. It was a consistency of everything you do thing. It was having a baseline of treating, you know, the sword as a martial art, which, you know, we kind of all go, duh, it's a martial art, it's a sword. But the reality check is you watch people handle firearms on a regular basis, even knowledgeable folks and professionals at arms. Um, handle the gun very, very differently when they perceive it to be unloaded or per- perceive it to be in a non-shooting, non-range environment, etc. And and so some of this comes down to just that mental aspect of how you do everything you do. So I, I'm, I'm going to lead off with that mentality around handling the gun, no matter when or where you are, grabbing the gun like you mean to use the gun. Um, you know, if you're going to confirm the gun's empty, running, you know, dropping the magazine, you know, placing it, whatever, doing whatever you're doing, racking the slide like you mean it, all those different things, not necessarily being soft with the gun, but handling it properly um, would be the first mental aspect, I would say, that is kind of the foundation for a lot of what we're doing moving forward here. Yeah, at the same time, every time you pick up the firearm, uh, the four rules of firearm safety always apply. Absolutely. Uh, And that gets back to, you know, Misashi, if you haven't read the Book of Five Rings, um, it's well worth your time to read the Book of Five Rings. Uh, it's relatively short. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's incredibly deep. Uh, it's probably not something that is fully absorbed on the first pass, uh, but it's something to touch on you know, once a year, once every other year, um, just from a, a mindset perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's also it, it, it's an interesting wrap of tactics and strategy all in the same place. Um, so definitely if you, yeah, if you don't have the book of five rings in your library, you haven't read it at some point, or even if you have go back and revisit it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not the easiest read in the world and it depends on whose translation you get a hold of. Um, but it, it's, it definitely helps with the mental foundation to all of this. So, um, yeah. So like I said, going back to, if it's time to handle the gun, it's time to handle the gun, uh, treat the gun like the tool that it is. Um, and don't be the tool that you are. So, you know basically mean it when you pick the gun up kind of deal. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're going to kind of move forward based off of that as a foundation. So um, we had some observations from, you know, with the last couple of podcasts, if you've been tuning in, we've talked about running the Rangemaster Core Pistol Skills Test. Um, this is a, a kind of a standard uh, set of nine different stages um, that you use an amalgam of your raw score on the target and then you, and then a multiplier or divisor, pardon me, divisor, divisor of your time, which is an important distinction in this case, uh, a divisor by your time. Um, and, and it turned out to be something that was, that was, I, I think a pretty 
pretty enlightening or it, it gave some good light on what we're doing from a training perspective and what we needed to work on. So we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the, the softer side of, you know, we talked a little bit about the numbers. We talked a little bit about the scoring and stuff like that, but there were some things that we saw from the tribe um, on the line, making things work, not making things work, fixing things that didn't work, etc. Um, yeah, if, if you want to learn more details about actually shooting through the course of fire, um, go back and listen to podcast 83. Yeah, it, it breaks all that down. Or or, or Google range master um, core pistol, core skills, pistol test. skills test, and, and it's, it's out there. You can see what that part of it looks like. Um, so so basically, we talk about the the time. We talked about how important the time aspect of of the of how you figure this out and how you score this. Um, time became critical. Everybody kind of realized that. And again, um, to just very quickly to revisit, one of the things that Range Master pushes is the first guy to a good enough shot, not the first guy to a slow perfect shot or like a the first guy to a, a good enough hit a good enough hit exactly and and understanding that if you study gunfighting especially with handguns or with any any gun but with handguns as well um generally the first guy to get hit you've reset that individual's loop they have to now figure out which way's up and in a lot of cases they just say screw it and run away they know they've been shot and they, they go away not all the time i mean there's dudes who've been shot over and over and over again and didn't even know that they were shot but understanding that if you get a decent hit on somebody, not that perfect uh, credit card across the eyeballs or that perfect, um, you know, upper thoracic shot, you still are likely going to affect their behavior and change what they're doing. Um, and so that, that that was kind of the goal was to get hits on meat and then finish it as needed. So kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as we talk about what we saw from a mental aspect or a, you know, the psychology, the, the psychology, psychology, wow, the psychology of getting on the line and watching guys set up. Um, the, the first time we did this was very distracting because the weather was horrible um, for the first run. And then this, the, yeah. the second three runs was just hot, humid and nasty, but it wasn't rainy or anything like that. Um, guys were working around gear in the rain, working around raincoats and things of that nature, which, which can be frustrating, especially if you understand there's a time component to what you're trying to achieve. Mm. And you don't just build that in as, okay, here's my baseline in this type of gear versus here's my baseline, you know, with the gun exposed versus running concealment versus running concealment under rain gear, et cetera, ad nausea. Um, so I think some guys got a little frustrated with that. Some guys also got, you know, kind of had some, some recognition that not only was the, the clothing aspect interesting in something to be maybe adjusted or looked into, um, but also position on the body. We've got a number of guys running appendix. And, and there, there seemed to be an acknowledgement of the speed of that aspect of getting the gun out. Yeah. Um, not that it's like the only way you can do it or not like that appendix is the way kind of mentality or conversation. Uh, but there are a number of guys who, especially when you get into multiple layers under rain gear, um, there's an acknowledgement that, wow, it's a lot more motion trying to get stuff clear as a concealed carry permit holder rather than an LEO guy with your bat belt exposed. Um, and I think that was a big part of the, you know, some of the guys recognize that mental aspect as well. And that even came out when, when we had good weather and guys were even just running t-shirts. Yep. Um, uh, and guys starting to notice the difference between running, you know, if they are running strong side, being at three o'clock or three thirty, versus being pushed all the way back to four, four thirty-five o'clock. Yeah. And, 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 and also again, understanding with all this there, you know, everybody's body's different, um, depending on whether you're lean, whether you're not lean. Um, where you carry the gun, how much can't, what issues you may have physiologically. Do you have shoulder issues? You know, one of the reasons the FBI went to a 15-degree can't 
Um, it's because at the time, a lot of their guys were not younger dudes. They were older dudes. They'd been around the block. And, and the shoulder issues of trying to draw the gun straight up and present it out of a straight drop holster versus something with a little bit of can't came to light. Um, and then also under clothing and things of that nature, too. So, um, you know, that, that was something that really came out was a, a lot of movement to get to the gun. And the reality is more movement is not efficient. Period. Yeah. Yeah. The, long, the, the more distance you have to cover, um, the more you actually have to accelerate it and then also decelerate it. Yep. Um, this Ooh, is where racetrack talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then this is, you know, just standard or stand up, you know, drills against the paper target on the range. If we start looking at, you know, what we need to do um, from a defending the firearm perspective, you know, at that point, appendix really becomes uh, much more advantageous. Uh, one of the other things that became very noticeable was when we had to reload the gun um, on the clock, guys that had properly positioned spare magazines, be that in the Buitaman, um, What's that one called? Well, there's a, the, the Uber CC. Yeah, the Uber CC is the, the horizontal, and the, the Denlinger is the vertical. Uh, and Andrew was actually running the vertical, um, and and then a bunch of us are running the horizontals as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the stages of the Range Master course does involve you know a reload on the clock. Uh, the guys that either were practiced with the reload and or had their their reload squared away. Uh, a massive difference in time, um, also massive difference in, let's call it, like mental state of mind uh, after that particular course of fire. Yeah, it, it, and we're, we're going to come back around to revisit that here in a minute as well, um, because there are definitely some issues with, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. So um, the, the gear aspect of this, guys, you know, like I said, like Brian's saying, having and again, if you use a you know one of those uh, magnetic mag holder dealios that goes in your pocket and you train with it, um, and you acknowledge that maybe it's a tick slower than another method of doing it, but it conceals better for you or it's more comfortable for you, and it makes you more likely to carry a spare mag. Just like from a holster perspective, um, you know we know some guys who manufacture holsters, and we have a conversation with them. There's always this debate about the depth that the holster rides, especially appendix. Um, because if the holster rides deeper in appendix carry, it generally carries a little better, but it's a little bit slower. Um, and, and if you, if it rides higher then the, you know, the, the, the inverse is true that it's a little quicker to get to. But if you, if you carry any weight above the belt line at all, then it doesn't conceal very well. The gun moves around the butt of the gun wants to poke out, etc. And the reality check is if you feel like you're printing everywhere you go, you know, you're probably going to either need to change things up and not use that holster or do something different entirely. Or if you're one of those guys, maybe you don't carry because you're, you know, you're conscious of it and it bothers you or whatever. And I guess that's a choice too. Um, so, you know, they're, they're again, going back to, you know, not the way of doing things, but a way of doing things and just understanding that, you know, if you, if you don't love your gear, find better gear, find differential gear and make it work. If you're constantly fighting your gear, find differential gear and make it work. If you don't have the gear to do what you think you need to do, and we had a conversation about this, again, with the way the world's gone right now, I, I didn't never really consistently carried a spare mag unless I was someplace like at the shop where I perceived if somebody was going to come in and rob the shop, they were going to do it rolling heavy, and I would want 30-some rounds because yeah. the first mag might literally be just to keep heads down and get the cover. 
Um, that was back when we had Aldi as a backstop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, I should have just said the, that out loud. <laughs> the, the brick part of Aldi yeah, as a the, backstop. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, so like I said, you know, I don't want to get into like a the way kind of conversation. It, you know, do what helps you carry the gun. Do what makes you do the gun efficiently, so that you'll carry the gun. Um, do what makes you carry the gun comfortably, so you'll carry the gun. And all that's figuring all this out, and then doing this core pistol skills test puts it on the clock, puts it to metrics to give you the baseline. Yeah. So, you know, and if those things frustrate you or those things make you not carry, then you need to do something different. You need to adjust. That's the mental aspect of this to some extent. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of that, you know, we had guys that started to finally figure out that, you know, just exactly what maybe they've always done or what they feel, you know, warm and fuzzy about isn't necessarily the most effective thing. Yeah. Or, um, or efficient anyway. Or efficient. Yeah. yeah. Or at least efficient way. It's not the most efficient way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th this also harkens back to guys. We had a conversation a few podcasts back um, about yard sales on the range. Um, you know, that holster that you love because it's comfortable and it's easy, but doesn't retain the gun may need to be something different that you choose. Um, and if you, you know, you feel really good about that piece of equipment, and that's the mental aspect of this. Even if it's not the best best piece of equipment, you're comfortable with it and you've used it forever. And gosh, my gun's only fallen out of it a couple of times. You know, doesn't really work. So it's something to consider. Yeah. So. Uh, the other thing that this particular drill did, uh, we had some guys shooting guns that they maybe don't normally carry or new guns that they've picked up recently, uh, which exposed, let's call it weaknesses in existing gear um, based on changes in firearm design. Yeah, yeah, gear like that's that. not appropriate to the gun. Uh, Mia culpa, uh, Mia maxima culpa. Actually, thrice. Um, I was running a holster that I had manufactured that set up for a G17 appendix, um, kind of as a, a like a prototype in in concept design holster back a number of years ago. That that the the guy I was working with to make the holsters just wasn't wanting to do an appendix holster but I found a really, really, really sweet spot design holster that I carry to this day. It doesn't work with Gen 5 guns, with Gen 5 Glocks, because there is a slide release on the right side of the gun, um, or on the ejection port side of the gun, however you want to look at it, and it just doesn't fit in that holster. And, and it, it, it's funny because it hadn't been an issue on the first couple rounds, mm -hmm. but at some point when we got back at a little bit of distance, um, the how tight it was on that that offside slide release was actually enough that it was overriding the clip on the belt and the holster was coming off. This is a holster I have tens of thousands of draw strokes with. I've never had it come off the belt. It did it three flipping times in one night. Um, guess who was learning how to strip the holster off the gun really fast? Um, also though, but vis-a-vis -vis our conversation, yeah. um, I, I didn't, I, it really didn't bother me. It was like, oh shit, okay, this doesn't work with this. Not, oh, there goes my time. Damn it. I'm screwed for the night. I'm not going to have the coolest numbers ever um, kind of thing. It's like, oh, live and learn. So we need to make a new holster or find yeah. a new holster that works with this piece of gear. And it was the first time I'd shot that gun and it never occurred to me that that, and it should have, it should have. We've interfaced with holster makers and had conversations mm -hmm. with about, hey, the new Gen 5 guns are shaped different. We need to modify things, right? And duh, one of those yeah. duh moments. So, you know, live and learn, live yeah. and learn. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, likewise, I'm shooting you know, reloaded nine millimeter uh, because that's what I have available. Yeah. And having a few primers not fully seated, uh, made for some clicks and no bangs, um, which again was, okay, rack that, rack that round, 
out of the chamber, get back in the fight, um, and just deal with it. Yeah, remediate. I mean, you know, do do your immediate action. Do what needs to happen. Make make the gun function. Um, and and you had a couple of those where like it was back to back, and you still managed to fight through it. And 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 I didn't notice anything other than like that grin, like shit, I got myself again. Um, <laughs> rather than that, you know, that kind of the temper tantrum mentality where you got inside your own head and it affected you over the next sets of drills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the, so anyway, that's part of what we're talking about with the, with the mental aspect. Yeah. Uh, another thing, you know, this was a, call it a big boy rules night. Um, so things like keeping your gun topped off uh, was entirely up to the shooter. Um, you know, all we did when we presented the drills was say, Hey, this is the next course of fire. Um, yeah, this distance, this number of rounds from this position, whether that was holster ready or whatever. And is there movement? Uh, no, is there reload or no, is it strong hand, weak hand, whatever. And that was yeah. it. So, um, so a lot of dudes, you know, they're hanging out with their buddies, um, giggling and whatnot, uh, forgot to yeah. top their guns off uh, a number of shooters on a number of occasions. Uh, which is, you know, we started looking at being in the real world, uh, especially in a more, call it protracted engagement. Um, you know, maybe not the gunfight inside your house, or maybe it is a gunfight inside your house, depending yeah. on how big of a house and how many people. Uh, you know, something to be aware of. You know, your gun is only capable of storing so many rounds in the magazine. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you got another magazine, and we ideally want to reload when we want to versus when we have to. Yeah, and well, and, and ideally as well, going back to Musashi and handling the gun, you know, the same way every time, if you fired the gun, then maybe it's appropriate to top the gun off before you reholster the gun. Um, you know, it's appropriate to wipe the sword down, even if it's, you know, hopefully on your enemy's clothing and not your own, uh, wipe the sword down before you put it back in the sheath um, so that it doesn't corrode, rust, stick, or anything else. And, and you, most swords you can't put back in the sheet backward, but don't put them back in the sheet backward. You know, I mean, have it ready to rock and roll. To me, it's the same kind of mentality. Yeah. I've done the drill, step off the line. And that's part of like that, that fast, that fight, assess, scan, top off mentality that you should do every time. And understanding that, you know, you're administratively, you're on the range running a skills test. Um, you know, it, it's so, you know, if you topped off every single time, how many mags do you need to have with you? How much you're fumbling around with mags, et cetera. If you, if you can do that, then do that, and then go through and square your mags away at the end of it. That's cool, whatever. But just understand, know, know the condition of your weapon kind of mentality. Um, if you shot, you know, multiple three, four, and five round drills, it doesn't take very many of those drills to get you to 15, 16, 17 rounds, then have you go Winchester in the middle of a drill. Um, and if it's a drill where the divisor is your time, and you throw an extra two to three seconds on, assuming you don't foul your reload miserably, um, you... you you just put yourself in a whole different class of shooter recognition based on your score. Yeah. Period. Um, and and that that was again a little bit of that that psychology or psychology of shooting. Um, it was it, it came out. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things you know we had guys that normally run G19s or G17s shooting smaller guns, be that a Glock 48. Yeah. Um, anybody running a 365 XL or something? I, d- I don't think there was that night. A um, couple guys running, uh, for example, a, a SIG P239 DASA gun, but yeah. single stack. Um, so capacity limit, uh, limited capacity and a little bit smaller gun. Um, but I didn't see anything off the rails other than Mac J carrying, you know, the 48. Yeah. Um, and even in, 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 and he's the positive example of this because there were a couple times where 
there were hiccups because of the size of the gun. He has gigantic flipping mitts, and that gun's smaller. It doesn't index quite as well, so he didn't get the draw stroke or the initial shot that he wanted, and it just didn't freaking matter because he just muscled his way through it. And if it didn't go right, he's like, okay, I need to fix that. Yeah. Not, you know, there was there was no other response other than, okay, I need to fix that. Let's fix that. Yeah, I'm thinking more, uh, you know, if you're normally carrying, say, you know, your work guns a G17 with 18 rounds on it, Mm-hmm. in it um you carry a you know glock 43 or a 43x 48 you know yeah. off duty or as your your summertime gun um you know be aware that you just went from you know 18 rounds to seven or to 11 yeah um yeah, you, you just know, cut and, your capacity give or take in half yeah give or take in half and and as you're on the range it it becomes that and it should already be that constant mentality of before I reholster my gun, let me get my gun squared away, get my gun back in the holster so that it's in fighting condition. It's that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Either gun, honestly, though. I mean, I don't think it should really matter. It, it just, it ends up mattering more. Exactly. It matters more quickly. Matters more quickly. Yeah. Matters more quickly. So, yeah, absolutely. So, um, we, we, the, and so we keep coming back around to that mental preparation. We, we had a number of guys go, like I said, go Winchester, um, we had a couple guys struggle with reloads um, in the gun and around clothing both. Um, and some of those guys, you know, that, that was from a, a mag pouch condition, not coming out of a pocket. Uh, the one guy who was coming out of a pocket struggled with it, but he, uh, this, I, don't, I don't know how he carries, when he carries. Um, so I don't know, maybe he does just jam a mag in his, spare, in his pocket, or maybe he doesn't carry a spare mag usually, but because he's on the range, he's like, okay, well, I got to have this with me, so I'll do this. Um, and, and just seemed to work through it. It just, it just wasn't clean. It wasn't fast. Um, you know, and, and if you don't normally carry a spare mag and I get it for the range, you throw one on it, you know, that, uh, that's fine. But just understand that there's, there's a consequence to it. Um, when it, when it did go sideways, we had a couple situations where somebody let it get inside their head. And quite honestly, I think it jacked up a little bit of their mental state for the rest of the night and hurt a lot of what they were doing and then on my curiosity beyond that is okay so now you've got a metric that's probably a little bit off because you weren't exactly on your game and you let something get in your head but the other part of that is where was your focus at that point too did you maybe take away from the learning opportunity by being inside your own head what were you focused on on the next drill was it the failure of the previous or was it on that drill and getting it straight that's yeah. where I think the mental aspect of this, quite honestly, can be the most harmful. If you if you do have something that gets under your skin, you let it get under your skin, and you can't brush it off and move off, move on to the next thing, and it's on the range, right? I mean, as long as you don't have a safety mental lapse, nobody's going to get hurt. It's just that mentality of, uh, I'm here to learn. I'm here to get better. How much does that affect that? How much does it take away from it? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, how much, you know, if we look at, you know, as civilians, um, most law enforcement um, you know, if we end up in a gunfight, it's because things have already started to go bad around us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not quite to the point in society where we can start setting ambushes, <laughs> and even then, the enemy still gets to vote. Yeah. Um, so you know, being able to to mentally push past the like bad things are happening to me, um, I can't. I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. I just have to get to work. Yeah. And start solving problems. And the reality check is, we are to a point in society where you can start setting ambushes because the bad guys do it all the freaking time. So the likelihood is you're going to start off behind the power curve, and if you're behind the power curve, 
Um, and then your your reaction to that is something you let become a default, which is frustration or, or self-loathing or whatever the case may be. Um, that's that's not a helpful reaction. You know, the reaction should be an, an efficient transition to whatever fixes the problem and gets you back in the fight to prevail. Not not simply, you know, oh, damn, this happened. Man, I'm really unhappy now. So you don't have that luxury because that is a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the kind of the takeaways from this is being what we call being mentally tough, uh, maybe being stoic. Uh, there's a, If you listen to the Chasing Excellence podcast with Ben Bergeron, um, he's got an awesome couple podcasts about mental toughness, and I believe a TEDx talk um, surrounding mental toughness. Yeah, um, highly worth um, checking out and giving a listen to or a watch. Uh, again, it's the Chasing Excellence podcast with Ben Bergeron. Um, he's the guy that runs CrossFit New England, uh, multiple CrossFit Games champions that train with him. Um, Really good stuff on that podcast if you haven't checked it out before. Yeah, wasn't it? Was he also like a gymnastics trainer at some point, or a very high level gymnast, oh, like collegiate gymnast or something? No, he did Ironman stuff on his own okay. before he got into CrossFit. Okay. Um, his team, like he's won the teams competition, I think a couple times okay. before the the Mayhem Dynasty. Okay, um, has taken root. Yeah, it, it, you know, and, and guys, the the, the stoicism thing, I, I don't, you know, and I, I'm definitely not a stoic. I definitely wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I have no problem with that. Um, you know, be, being the, the totally, there is no reaction because whatever happens is just the natural state of things. So you press on through it and you don't show good or bad. You don't show happy or sadness or anger or, or, you know, joy or whatever. Um, you know, I, it, it, and, and that may be the reaction that, that you want to step into. That may be the, the idea or the philosophy that you choose to follow. Um, and that's cool. That's, that's fine. Um, you know, as some people are just stoics by personality, they're introverts and they don't necessarily show a lot of emotion. Um, you know, the, the other guy, you can be emotional and you can get, you know, frustrated, pissed off, whatever, have a temper tantrum and move on, but you don't let it affect the next thing that you do. Um, and, and the reference I would use are guys who are tough enough, um, and have no quit. The, guy, the guys who become SEALs or special forces dudes or high level athletes who have a setback, they might get pissed off or frustrated about it, that, you know, have a mini tantrum and move on. They're probably not going to do that in the military because it's not really going to be accepted. Um, but, but the, but the reality check is whatever it is, whatever that reaction is, is very quick and it's, it's very brief and it's over and they're pressing forward and it's a don't quit mentality. Um, you know, and so well, I don't care which one you choose, you know, but you probably need to step into something like that and move forward rather than getting off track and having it affect you. Yeah. Um, if we look at, you know, especially sports where being, you know, very consistent is super important, like trap yeah. shooting, yeah. um, golf, throwing a baseball, um, pitching, yeah. pitching, playing, playing sports ball and throwing a baseball really freaking hard. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a thing there. I'm, and I, and I'm picking on somebody here and he knows who he is, but the reality check is he's, he's a gentleman who's closer to my age than a college athlete's age and still plays competitive ball, fastball, baseball, and he's a pitcher throws the ball freaking hard and you know, you have a bad pitch. You can't dwell on it. You move on to the next pitch. So it's that kind of mentality. So, I mean, and so we're picking on him right now. Um, and like I said, he knows who he is and he's probably gritting his teeth at me. That's cool. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, but the reality check is I know that he knows how to not be affected by this stuff. Period. Yeah, I know. Cause that's, cause that's his lifestyle too. He is. It just wasn't there the other night. How about that? Sorry. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, one of the other things that, you know, we go back to, Chris had mentioned the fight, assess, scan, and top off uh, mentality, which you know, if you've ever taken a class down a tactical response, um, that they, they drum that into your head because you have to do it after every single um, shooting drill. Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason for it, and it's to give you a, like kind of a mental reset point. Yeah. Of, I've just shot my gun. Here's this consistent thing that I can fall back on and that I know I can perform correctly and I know it will get me reset um, for whatever I got to do next. Absolutely. And again, interestingly enough, the HMFIC of that organization um, is, is curiously someone who's read Musashi um, in the Book yeah. of Five Rings and, and often quotes uh, from some of these uh, warrior poet philosopher type people um, on a regular basis. And sometimes he does it laced with MFs, and then sometimes he does it sounding like a complete genteel southern gentleman. It just depends on which side of the coin you get that day. Um, really good dude, if you know what we're talking about. Really good guy to go train with, um, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing, and this is kind of pulling from Pat Mack, uh, when we have dudes watching dudes and a timer involved, you know, the say the first shooting competition was when the second gun got made. Yep. Um, you know, everybody wants to be on top of the, the food chain. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it works out on a given day. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep. Um, you know, being able to, to realize that, you know, the only thing that we can control is our own performance. And we need to focus on performing to the best that we are capable of on a given day. Um, and, and concerning ourselves with that um, ultimately leads to an overall better performance. Yeah. Because uh, we don't let things outside of our control get in our head. Absolutely. And, and I will say this about, you know, the competitive aspect of things. I, I, don't, I don't ever, it's not, not that I don't ever want to. I, I generally don't want to shoot with people that I'm better than. I generally want to shoot with people that are better than me. And, and in our group, I'm fortunate because there's, you know, at any given time, half of that group or, or more can outshoot me. Um, and on any given day, anyone can outshoot me if I let them and if they have a good day, both. But there's this reality check to wanting to shoot, you know, wanting to learn and train and compete with people that are better than you to make you better. Um, so uh, along with that group mentality, something that an observation that we started to get back into, if you are training with a group of guys that you are better than them, be the guy that watches them and observes them and helps them get better. Um, if you're training with a group of people who are your peers in, in skill set, you know, quality level, whatever, um, or better than you, you know, ask that they observe you and help you move forward too. Uh, that's something that we're pretty fortunate with this group. And we had guys who, you know, again, we're talking a little bit about guys jaw jack and, and maybe not focusing on topping guns off. The other part of that too is not just maintaining your own gear, but, you know, helping the team, the tribe, whatever, move forward by getting eyes on people. And we kind of picked that up the second day because we were kind of missing it the first day because I think everybody was reveling in their own misery, yeah. being soaking wet, having grip issues with guns. Yeah, I think by the, like the second and the third run yeah. is the second day. Yeah. People were on point and helping each other out and going, hey, if you clean this up a little bit, hey, I noticed you were doing this. Um, you know, From a training perspective, that's one of the things we're talking about is the mental aspect. The mental aspect is also being willing to help each other, being competitive at the same time of wanting to win. But at the exact same time, being able to, you know, tell your buddies, hey, let's, you know, let's clean this up, you know. Um, you know, we don't have, like, safety issues generally with our guys um, in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, maybe things that could just be cleaned up and made a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little more efficient. And, and it was nice to get some feedback because there were some things I was doing that were more me fighting my gear. But there are things that also, like, hey, that's in the back of my head now. 
I need to make sure that I'm not letting things slip and I'm staying on point with proper technique. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, overall, again, guys, I know we've been um, kind of beating on this topic for the last few podcasts here, but it was it really was a good learning opportunity, and a lot of observations came from it that aren't specific to it, so we just wanted to share some of those with you guys and let you guys know kind of where we're at with that. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is one of those things that you know, if you're off shooting by yourself or with you know the same people all the time, you don't necessarily observe, um, and it really, you know, having written down scores, a timer, and having to perform in front of your peers um, really brings to light. Yep. Yeah. Um, on that note, um, you can follow us along on social media. Uh, we are at Cap City Outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. Um, as we are getting new guns, gear, ammo, etc. in, um, that's where it gets posted first. Uh, if you see something posted on there that you really want, um, please feel free to give us a call at the store. Um, we can hold that for you with a credit card deposit. Um, yeah, uh, visit us on the web at capcityoutfitters.com. Uh, we have all kinds of good information posted on our website, including things like how to purchase a suppressor um, from our storefront on silencershop.com, along with how to do an FFL transfer. Uh, and then uh, sign up for our email newsletter. It comes out on Friday mornings. Lots of good training information, uh, mindset stuff, along with Again, um, restock information, things coming in the store, etc. Um, you can sign up for that on our website, or you can drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to the newsletter. And then please come and visit us in the store. Um, we are in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, we're right in front of the Aldi's, um, directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Um, due to the COVID-19 thing and mini mics, tyrannical decrees uh, uh, we are running uh, slightly reduced hours uh, we're open 10 to 5 tuesday through saturday um, we're also limiting it to four people four customers in the store at a time uh, to maintain proper social distancing uh, i don't think anybody's had to wait for more than a couple minutes sure. in the last week or so uh, but please do be aware our hours are 10 to 5 um, tuesday through saturday uh, we hope to see all of you soon Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for tuning in.